So hi, my name is Kofi Kankam, one of the founders of Admit Me and Admit Advantage. And today we're discussing cracking Wharton. Wharton is part of the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, in West Philadelphia. So Wharton's a pretty uh, diverse school, as you might expect. It's a pretty diverse school in every single aspect. So these numbers are snapshot right now. And while they may fluctuate a little bit, they're basically consistent. The school it has is about 40% women. Um, that it's gone up to as high as 45, 47%. But any given year, pretty much four out of 10 people are women. Minorities, US minorities, i.e. African-Americans, Native Americans, Latino, um, I believe Asians might be part of this group, uh, represent a third of the school. Um, in international, it's about a third as well. That has fluctuated probably a little bit more wildly than potentially the female population. It's gone as high as probably just about 42, 43%. Right now, currently, it's about a third. Warren's a school where the average candidate has about 5.7 years of work experience, so it tends to trend a little bit older. And I'd say Warren is definitely a school where you see a little bit more of a sprinkling of 35, 40, 40 plus year olds. When I graduated from school, there was a candidate um, a year ahead of me that was 43 or 44 when he graduated. And it's one of the largest business schools in Harvard we're basically both close to about 900 candidates. Harvard's typically about 920 or so. Wharton is just underneath that, typically hovering between 860 and 870. Those candidates are broken up into 12 cohorts of about 65 to 70 candidates through which you experience the entire first year core marketing class with that cohort. Three cohorts make a cluster and there are four clusters. So I was in cohort C. You've got course A, B, and C, that's cluster one, D, E, and F, cluster two, et cetera. One of the special things about the school, just like most schools are ranked very highly, is the fact that um, such a high percentage of candidates have jobs within three months of, of graduation. And this number actually has remained fairly consistent over the last decade, even amongst the the financial services crash in 2008. Actually, it was just a general market crash in 2008. When I would speak to admissions officers, I'm sorry, I'd speak to corporates, corporations, recruiters, and say, you know, how are things looking? What does it look like? They would say, look, you know, Wharton is one of those schools where we're going to show up regardless. We might basically cut out other schools um, entirely or slash the slash the you know the number of candidates that we recruit from those schools by 20 to 50 to 70 percent i.e schools let's say in the eight through 20 plus range but schools like Wharton, schools like kellogg harvard etc those are schools where we might cut back a little bit let's say 10 to 15 percent but we're going to keep coming and the reason they would keep coming is because they know that if they take a year or two off that's going to present an opportunity for another firm to get a pretty strong foothold and recruit more candidates. And as schools recruit more candidates, as co companies recruit more candidates, that's going to make it easier for them to get future candidates the next year because they've got a better word of mouth, you know, attractive stimulant. Wharton is your typical school in the sense that it sends a very large percentage of people into consulting and finance. But I will say, you've seen in the last seven to eight years, that, that those numbers have changed a little bit. Maybe let's call it maybe a decade. So 
Historically, you might have seen about 70%, 70 plus percent pursue jobs in consulting or finance. Here, you've got about now, today, you've got about 60, 62%. So if you look at like consulting and then you look at fields like venture capital, private equity, other financial services, i.e. sales and trading, investment banking, uh, and so forth, you'll see about 60% of the candidates, 60, 62% of the candidates are going into those historically classic fields that a lot of MBA candidates go into. And what has changed in the last decade is you're seeing more candidates going into tech, which is basically about eight or 9%, which is actually fairly substantive for, for Wharton, as well as nonprofit government, which I actually think is very interesting and, and, and certainly marks an occasion of the school pushing people into that area because they look at all organizations as being worthy of solid management. So you see the depression coming a little bit in terms of consulting and in terms of finance, and you see it going into tech, i.e. Google's one of the biggest employers of a lot of people going to Facebook, a lot of people going to you know bigger, different types of historically old companies like Intel, HP, et cetera, and you see sort of the nonprofit government. I mean, we actually see that a lot with the candidates on Admit Me. We see a larger number of you than we expected, actually, interested in those two fields as well. In terms of admissions, Wharton's a school that's very selective, but I will say, I think it's gotten a little less selective over the last couple of years, which in some respects, I'm quite happy about. In other respects, it, you know, uh, you know, it makes me a little bit sad, but I will say now the acceptance rate is about 18 to 19%. Historically, it's gone as low as about 115 to 12%. As the school becomes more popular, i.e. ranked higher in the polls, in the rankings, and I think this year it was ranked number, I think, one by Fortune or Forbes, you'll probably see an influx of more applicants next year. But it is a school, like a top-tier school, that is actually a little bit less competitive to get into than some of the other top-tier schools. The average GMAT is about a 730, which probably is of no, no surprise to, to many of you. And essentially, you know, it's a school where you have to be topping out. So the average GPA is about a 3.6. And uh, that means that basically about three A's and two B's is how most people's transcripts look as they apply. In terms of the GRE, um, which is obviously accepted at the school, this is functionally the equivalent of about a 700 plus. So, you know, you look at sort of 163 verbal, 162 quant, that's not surprising. Uh, all this is saying is that the GRE matches essentially the GMAT score in terms of the high quality. The GMAT is out of 800, for those who don't know, and the GRE is out of uh, 340. Let's talk about academics just a little bit. So, Warren is a school that really prides itself on being amongst the most flexible and the most depth in terms of the curriculum, in terms of the majors, in terms of electives. It's also the most published faculty. So Wharton views itself as being uh, more of an academic institution than a lot of other top-tier business schools. So while you'll see the fact that they use cases from Harvard Business School, and Harvard Business School's cases are used throughout the country and the world. When I say publish, I mean publish in terms of industry journals. So 
the Wharton marketing faculty, for example, is exceptionally highly published in marketing journals. Same with the Wharton Financial Services or Finance um, Department, the Wharton Operations Department, the Wharton Stats Department, et cetera. It is a bit of an academics business school in terms of the quantitative focus. It's got a high degree of disciplinary programs, one of the most, uh, one of the highest numbers you'll see throughout the entire MBA landscape. So one of the popular joint degrees, obviously, is the JD MBA with the Penn Law School. But you also see the MBA MA at SICE, which is at Johns Hopkins. They've got a very good uh, Johns Hopkins MBA at Cary and JD program with Penn Law School. Um, healthcare management happens to be one of the most popular ma uh, majors, and Wharton is typically number one or number two in healthcare management. You do see also a lot of candidates who are studying for an MBA at Wharton and getting an MPP or MPA at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. And you also see the Lauder program, which is somewhat similar. There's a foreign language and international component to that and requirement. But the M MBA, MA Lauder is actually is quite popular as well. So these are sort of the big programs, but there are many more. And frankly, it's the kind of school that you can come and start your MBA and say, I want to get a degree in X. I predict that soon enough, um, they'll probably have some kind of master's in data science or data analytics, a joint program with another school, including maybe potentially you know, weren't undergrad or potentially a school like MIT. It's the kind of school where students drive the innovation. And if enough students say that they want that, Wharton will probably go out and build a partnership with one of those kinds of institutions. It's known as an exceptionally global school as well. You've got global courses, courses that are taught at other schools, courses that focus on, focus on different parts of the world, Latin America, Africa, et cetera. GIP, the Global Immersion Program, is typically a program where a lot of students are involved and they go to different countries over Christmas slash holiday break, spring break, and get immersed for a week or two at a time. And there pretty much is no continent that uh, the GIP has not happened. And GIP is the kind of thing, again, if students say that they want it, Wharton uh, will go out and, and help design a curriculum with the student's input to basically create a GIP program for the next year or potentially even the next semester. Very strong exchange programs with different universities. So when I was at Wharton, we had a candidate from, from INSEAD in France. He was there for two semesters. And I had friends that were also studying overseas at LBS, at INSEAD, at INSEAD in Singapore, at NUS Singapore as well. So uh, they believe in that. They're trying to create global leaders and actually adds to the mix in both ways, both when you're a candidate going to study overseas, as well as when you know you bring a foreign student into your sort of cohort, into your learning team, it really adds a global perspective onto the cases. And frankly, most of us were training to be global leaders. Most of us were looking at building businesses either by ourselves or as part of a bigger company that were going to touch many countries on the globe. So Wharton is very focused on that including offering the ability to consult with clients via the global consulting practicum who are of a global nature. Wharton is very much focused on having diversity, diversity sort of in every single aspect of the school. So it's got diverse teaching methods, meaning 
They use the case methodology, but they also use lectures and experiential learning. They also, again, are broken up into learning team and cohorts. I spoke a little bit about cohorts, but learning teams are the four to six individuals that you are grouped with uh, without your consent. You know, it's not something you've got input on, but they put you in a team. And that is the team um, through which you tackle all your group work for your first year marketing courses. So my learning team involved me, who was an entrepreneur um, who'd done some telecom work and also worked at Accenture. There was a photographer. There was a gentleman from Japan who worked for Toyota. There was an accountant. Um, And there was a French technology entrepreneur who actually runs uh, the company App Annie, uh, Bertrand Schmidt, who's the CEO of App Annie. And there was another woman uh, who's actually from Ghana. So I'm Ghanaian-American. She was from Ghana, and she did some marketing in Ghana. So that was a six-person learning team, exceptionally diverse, diverse politically, diverse in terms of careers, diverse in terms of race, diverse in terms of nationality. And uh, it really enhanced the learning uh, as well as sort of mirrored what we were all going to face practically uh, when we graduated. And then obviously it's got research centers um, around the world as well. So the academics is, is very structured. It is not the kind of school where you're going to be getting, for those of you who love golf, you know, a round of golf in, you know, every week or every other week. It is a school where you're going to think you're going to be pushed intellectually and you're going to develop a pretty robust skill set, which is why a lot of us decided to go there. If you want to get ahead, you should definitely be going to the website, the school's website, Wharton's website, sign up for the newsletter, figure out when they're coming to your city. They will be coming to a lot of cities and you should go visit them when they come to your city, especially if you can't make it to campus. We've got a deadline deadlines page on admit.me, um, admit.me slash MBA dash application dash deadlines, where you can sort of get the deadlines and essay prompts for, you know, a ton of top tier MBAs programs. We're going to be adding more content on there, no less than bi-weekly, if not weekly, all right? Visit the school. I can't stress this enough. I know for some of you it's impossible. I know for some of you, it is possible. You're going to think it's not important. It is very important. It's very important if you're accepted, you know, because this is where you're going to be spending your life. And it's very important to get accepted because it gives you an advantage over your peers and shows that sense of commitment and interest in the school that can sometimes be a tiebreaker. If you feel like you need help, reach out to Admit Advantage. They're our partner. Some of the same people that started Admit Me are affiliated with Admit Advantage. And you can get experts on a you know expert support on a one-on-one basis. Okay, Admit Me is an amazing platform. Admit Advantage is that one-on-one help that some of you may need. Admit Me, never apply alone.